Isaiah 43. In fact, the text is in your um, is in your worship guide. If you have your copy of Scripture and want to find it, Isaiah 43. We're going to start at verse 18. Have you ever been in a place uh, you didn't want to be? The unemployment line. Maybe you're on a team, baseball team, basketball team, football team, sitting on the bench. I've been there. Maybe, um, maybe in bankruptcy. Maybe in divorce court. Maybe in a funeral home or hospital room. You've been anywhere you didn't want to be. Sometimes we're in places we don't want to be because of just the fallenness, the imperfection of our world. We live in a world that changed when Adam and Eve sinned and evil came rushing into a place it didn't belong. And and so we live in a world where there are bad things that happen to even sort of good people. And so maybe we end up at times in places we don't want to be just because we live in a fallen world. Sometimes we end up in places we don't want to be because of other people. Maybe you are on the team and you're sitting on the bench because your coach does not recognize your outstanding athletic ability. That was my problem when I was, uh, when I was on the team and watching from the bench. Maybe, um, maybe you were released by a supervisor or fired by a manager who you believed to be unethical. Maybe you are... Um, Maybe you're in, in divorce court because of the, the abuse or betrayal of a spouse. Maybe you're in a company or an, or, or an organization that's headed south quick. It's headed toward catastrophe because of bad management. So the ship is going down because of the captain, but you're going down with it. Anybody ever at a place where you didn't want to be? The words we're about to read were written to people in a place they didn't want to be. In 586 B.C., the Babylonians came rushing into Jerusalem and the surrounding area called Judea. And they, they killed people, they burned the city, they destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, and then they carried captive countless people from Jerusalem and Judea to present-day Iraq, then called Babylon. They, they took them there as captives. They, didn't want, they were in a place they didn't want to be. In Psalm 137, the Babylonians say, sing for us. And they answer, how can we sing in a strange land? They, they were in a place they didn't want to be, and Isaiah writes to them. Now, the interesting thing is that Isaiah wrote to them a century before they even got there. Isaiah often wrote about things that had not yet happened. He spoke of of the crucifixion and the, or the coming and the crucifixion of Jesus 700 years before that happened. And now he writes a century before the Babylonian captivity to the Israelites who are in Babylon, who are in captivity. And these are the words to people who are, were in a place they didn't want to be. Beginning at verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim 
my praise. There are three important truths, I think, for this, from this text for people who are in places we might not want to be. Number one, new is not always welcomed, but new is not always bad. New is not always welcomed, but new is not always bad. Maybe you heard about the man who went to the psychiatrist. And you know, every bad preacher joke begins with, maybe you heard. Maybe you heard about the man who went to the psychiatrist and said, Doctor, I'm not sure. I've got a condition. I'm not sure what it is. I I have a panic attack every time I see a quarter, a dime, or a nickel. And the psychiatrist said, well, that's an easy diagnosis. You're afraid of change. I know that's a bad joke, but it's true that lots of people are afraid of change, right? Change seems to many of us bad. There's an ad from years ago. A man is... A young man is sitting with um, one elbow in his, el- his elbow in his palm and his chin in his other palm. He sits alone in a short sleeve shirt, t-shirt, deep in thought. High on his left arm is a tattoo which reads Jane. The name Jane, however, has been crossed out in, in a second tattoo, Kim is below it. But Kim is crossed out too, as well as two other tattoos that say Sarah and Lisa. Finally, further down his arm, beneath all the others, is an untouched tattoo that reads Tracy. The young man obviously has changed girlfriends often and apparently is thinking about changing again. And the caption at the bottom of the ad reads, change is bad. With a note that explains Hershey's milk chocolate, unchanged since 1899. But even Hershey's is reconsidering that slogan, I understand, after some shifts in the chocolate market. Change is not always welcomed. But the truth is, change ain't always bad. There's a powerful line in 2 Samuel chapter 6. In this scene, David and the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel, are about to move the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant is this sacred holy thing with, that never has been surpassed in terms of how sacred it was to a people. It, it was overlaid with gold. The top, the lid was pure gold. In, the, in this big chest was contained the, the, um, the rod of Aaron, Moses' assistant, had a pot of manna that reminded them of their deliverance from Egypt, what they ate manna on the way. And, and there was... Um, a copy of the law, the forerunner to what we call the Old Testament. There was even the, the, the stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments were written. Sacred, holy, reminded them of their heritage, reminded them of their, uh, of their history. And whenever they moved, they put the, the Ark of the Covenant went before them. It was, a, it was a, an important symbol of the presence of God. But in 2 Samuel 6, verse 3, is this powerful line. They sat the ark of God on a new cart. Same holiness, same sacredness, same symbolism, same history, same heritage. So they put this old thing, important thing, on a new cart, on a new opportunity, on a new way of doing things, on a new methodology. Change is not always welcome, but change is not always bad. Sometimes new methods, new opportunities, new ways of doing things are good. 
You know, COVID-19 has been bad. We, it's been deadly. Around here, we you know for six months we've been doing church differently. But we've learned some things. And we, please understand, we would never say this has been a good thing. But we have learned some things. We've learned some ways to be creative that we will take into the future. If changes come into your life, change is not always bad. It is, remember, same cart, excuse me, same ark, new cart. Ark of the covenant, same ark, new methodology, new ways of doing it. Remember, same ark, new cart. Say that with me. Same ark, new cart. I can't hear you. Same ark, new cart. That's better. Change is not always bad. That's the first lesson. God says, see, look, I'm doing a new thing. Second thing, new sometimes feels like getting dropped off in the desert. But good things happen in the desert. He says in our text, the jackals and the owls prowl about. They're in the desert, in the wastelands. But good things happen in the desert. A few years ago, I stood on Mount Nebo and I looked westward into what we now call the nation of Israel. I stood, so somewhere on that mountain was where Moses stood and looked into the promised land. And I got to be honest with you, I was underwhelmed with what I saw. The land of milk and honey, he's, he was mainly looking at desert. At the bottom of the mountain, not far from the bottom of Mount Nebo, is the Jordan River. And each side of the Jordan River was green, but he was mainly looking at desert. Just beyond the valley, the desert valley, was the, the wilderness, the mountain, the, the hills of the wilderness, just above Jericho, on the way to Jericho, that story that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan in the rough land. It's, it's dirt, it's rock, it's not very pretty. To his left was the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth. To his right, about two o'clock to him was the region we would call the, the area of, around Galilee. And it is, it is beautiful. Rolling hills, majestic mountains. But most of what he saw was desert. In fact, when God brought Abraham down to the promised land, I, God is not a very good real estate agent. He didn't take him up there where the majestic mountains in the Sea of Galilee were. He, he took Abraham to Beersheba in the desert. It was so bad there that it wasn't long until, until Abraham and Sarah had to go to Egypt because of the famine. It, why would God take people, his people, to the promised desert? Because good things happen in the desert. Up to the north, Galilee, Capernaum, beautiful, up, to, up north, bustling cities, and populated areas. In the desert, houses were few and far between. Up north, there were cultural events and parties. In the desert, life was quiet, even lonely. Up north, there was lots of rain and harvests were plentiful. In the desert, there was little rain and farmers had to coax those crops out of the rocky soil. Up north, there were pagan temples. You've heard of Baal, B-A-A-L. That's a generic term 
for idols, for pagan temples and statues. Not in the desert. Up there in the land of comfort and commerce and culture and consumerism. It's interesting to study the, the story of Israel. When they got in trouble with backsliding, and they often did, it usually came from the pretty country. Not the, not the desert. Up in the pretty country, the land of comfort and culture and commerce and consumerism, they tended to turn inward. They tended to become self-absorbed and to worship gods of their own making. In the desert, where things were hard, they tended to see things more clearly, and they tended to be more loyal to the one true God, Jehovah God. Why would that be? You would think people up north, they got, man, they got parties to go to and lots of friends and good harvest. You'd think they, but these were the ones whose hearts turned to gods of their own making. In the desert, in the desert, people's hearts tended to be purer and their priorities clearer and better. Good things happen in the desert. A couple of Saturdays ago, Carrie and I went with some young adults, other young adults, out to uh, the Space and Rocket Center to the planetarium. Oh, it was it was breathtaking. Our guide took us on an intergalactic journey. We, we flew through our, we landed on, moon, on the moon and we landed on Mars and we saw where um, uh, Curiosity, the, ro- the Mars rover has gone. And, but we didn't stay there. We, we flew to other galaxies. We backed off and where you could see all this plethora of gal- galaxies. And, and he said something real interesting. He said, you know, at night... You can see the stars if there's not too much light pollution. You get around the lights and, you know, the man-made lights, human-made lights. and You can't see the handiwork of the Creator. But when it's dark, ah, things become clearer. It reminded me of Charles Baird, the historian, who studied the hard times in history, the plagues, the wars, the famines. And Charles Baird said he believes that humanity has been at its best in those hard times, that character has been stronger and character has been deeper, not in times of plenty, but in the hard times. Good stuff happens in the desert if you'll let it. Paul Avery, the late Paul Avery, was a member of the, my, the first little church I served, Lucas Grove Baptist, just outside Upton, Kentucky. One, one night we were studying. I don't know what we were studying. But Paul Avery said something that was so important to me. I wrote it down, and this was 35 years ago. Paul Avery said, it's funny. Some of the worst things that have happened to me have turned out to be the greatest blessings of my life. Paul was no stranger to pain. His son, for example, had gone through a terribly difficult time at birth. It's funny. 
Some of the worst things that have happened to me have turned out to be the greatest blessings of my life. Good stuff happens in the desert. Luke 5.16 says Jesus frequently went to the wilderness. That's, what, that's the one, what I would describe to you. When Moses was looking from Mount Nebo, Jesus went to the wilderness. That's what Moses saw, that rocky, dusty, hard place. Luke 5.16, Jesus frequently withdrew to the wilderness to pray. It doesn't say Jesus often went to the resort area in Galilee. Jesus went to the desert. John the Baptist was probably an Essene. They were the ones that lived down at Qumran where they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. They, John the Baptist was one of those holy men who, who really wanted to be close to God. They lived in the desert. Boy, desert, new things sometimes feels like you just got dumped in the desert. But good stuff, if you'll let it, good stuff happens in the desert. New is not always welcomed, but it's not always bad. Two, being dumped in the desert, new things make, sometimes makes you feel like you've been dumped in the desert, but good things happen in the desert. And three, God provides streams even in the desert. He said in this morning's text, I provide waters in the wasteland, streams in the wilderness. A week ago, Friday night, Michael and Annie Warsman were on a date night in Raleigh, North Carolina. They decided to take Michael's motorcycle for date night. They left their three little girls at home with a sitter, I believe it was with his wife's, with Annie's parents. Three little girls. So Michael and Annie were sitting at a, um, at a stoplight in Raleigh when a man under the influence of alcohol driving ran over them and Michael was killed and Annie is still in tough condition in the hospital. Those three little girls' daddy went off for date night with their mom. He's never coming home. I found out about that on Saturday week ago yesterday, when our daughter Brennan called. Michael and Annie were the small group leaders for their small group at church. They're very involved in their church, especially their small group, and that is a tight-knit group. Brennan called to say, what do we, what do, we do? Paul, our son-in-law, is especially reeling from that for he's, he's become way too accustomed to losing people close to him suddenly. A few years ago, I did the funeral of his best friend in Richmond, who died suddenly, tra- tragically in a construction accident. Young man in his early 20s. Two years ago, Paul's mother didn't show up for coffee one morning with her friend. Her friend knew, knew her, that she's not, she wasn't like that and went to her house, found her. She had fallen dead in the shower. Two people suddenly stolen from him. And now this is one of his best friends and it's his spiritual mentor who went out on date night and didn't come home. But our son-in-law posted the following on Facebook on Monday and I want to share it with you. 
He wrote, my dad, his dad shared this with me today. It's Psalm 112, verse 7. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. No fear of bad news. Paul wrote, bad bad news is bad, but we don't have to fear it. Likewise, trusting God doesn't mean we have to like or completely understand tragedy. And it definitely does not mean we have it all together, but it does mean he has it all together. Yes, terrible, unthinkable things happen. But there's a bigger picture, a bigger story that we have to keep believing. We can trust him. Michael... Paul continued, Michael believed that as well. And he would want you to know that he believed that with all his heart. I don't believe God caused a drunk driver to run over Michael and Annie in order to make our kids or anybody else better people. I don't think God caused COVID-19 To make us better people. I don't think God sends tornadoes and hurricanes to make us better people. But I do believe he provides streams in the wasteland. Unwanted change, unwelcomed, new. Where the jackals and the wild animals roam about. God provides this cool, refreshing experience of His grace even in the desert. There's so many things I don't understand. But even in places you don't want to be, God sends streams even in the desert. Esther's going to play for us to consider this. And 